You are listening to ACPN. Video, this is Russ. Do you have that one with that guy who was in that movie that was out last year? <sighs> Hello and welcome to the Emerald City Video Podcast. I'm your host, Russ Burlingame, and with me today is Captain Video's Michelle Curran. Hello. Hello. And today we're doing something that's kind of special. Uh, it, it's kind of an employee recommendations episode, but but it's more tailored to customers, which is something we haven't really done. Although this is kind of the definitive version of what I would want to do as a quote-unquote video store podcast. Usually when one of us wants to spotlight a particular movie, that's when we have a quote-unquote employee recommendations episode. This time around, we're instead doing it on behalf of a, uh, well, well, we'll we'll call her a video store customer. Uh, on her Instagram feed yesterday, an acquaintance of mine posted that she was looking for new shows to watch after a long day at work. Uh, she gave the following guidelines. The show should be intelligent, but not too heavy. Cannot be a superhero show or a CW show, so Legends of Tomorrow is out, even though that means her life will be not quite as full and rich as it could be. Uh, being funny is a bonus, but not a necessity, although she did say she preferred a feel-good show and does not want to cry every episode. She said nothing too artsy. Uh, that's pretty much it. She included a handful of examples like Shameless, The Haunting of Hill House, The IT Crowd, Sabrina, which I take to be the Chilling Adventures of Sabrina since it's new, although obviously the 90s version is a little bit more feel-good. Uh, Friends and Outlander. I don't want to name this person since the episode is being done without letting her know. It's kind of like, hey, surprise, we, we, we did an episode about your thing. Uh, but she once told me she's not like super film literate. So between that and the fact that I don't know her well, I'm like, you know, I'm just going to make a list of recommendations and assume she hasn't seen anything. And anything on this episode that she has seen, bonus. Um, but the, the the recommendations she gave us, while the the restrictions are kind of severe, especially for Michelle and me who... <laughs> do love our CW shows. <laughs> uh, the emotional range of the shows that she gave us as examples gives us a lot to work with. So uh, <clears throat> my first recommendation is The Good Place. Uh, the basic conceit of The Good Place is uh, Kristen Bell plays Eleanor Shellstrop, who is a person who dies, and she goes to The Good Place, which is, you know, not exactly heaven, I guess, but, you know, it's The Good Place. Uh, Ted Danson is a godsend, and, and Kristen Bell is one of the most appealing human beings on the planet. So the two of them could carry a mediocre show and make it feel pretty good. That means the fact they have a fun, clever show with charming writing and sharp insight into human nature actually really works to make it excellent. Probably my favorite straightforward half-hour sitcom in years. And uh, if you have seen this and you like it, try Bored to Death. It's not anything remotely the same except that uh, Ted Danson is a standout there too. Uh, it's an indie dramedy starring Danson and a number of hipster comedy icons like Jason Schwartzman and uh, Zach Galifianakis. The show had a too short life on, I think, HBO, but it holds up really well on rewatch. Uh, Michelle, I know you haven't seen The Good Place, but uh, do you have anything kind of in that vein of like high concept uh 
heartfelt zaniness? Um, the only, it's so weird. Once upon a time, I used to watch a million sitcoms and I don't watch any anymore. I don't know why. Um, I probably should. The world is a place that needs laughter. Um, <laughs> but the one, the one sort of concept show that I watch that is a comedy at the 30, you know, a half hour show is Younger, which is on, it's actually moving to the Paramount Network, but it was on TV land. Um, and the concept on that show is it's this this woman played by Sutton Foster who uh, she's forty years old and she's just gotten divorced and you know once she had her she got married and had a, a child she stopped working and she was a stay at home mom so it's been like you know eighteen years since she's been a part of the workforce and mm -hmm. so now she finds herself divorced and she's living with her best friend in Brooklyn and now she's trying to find a job and because of her age she's having a hard time getting into publishing. So she decides to lie on her resume and pretend to be 25. And it's 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 funny because she does it, you know, just for as a work thing. You know, she doesn't mean for it to sort of bleed into her personal life, but right. of course, as with everything it does, she becomes friendly with uh, her coworker who's played by Hillary Duff. Um, and then she gets involved in a relationship with a guy who's only 25 years old. And so there's a lot of like hilarity around it in that, you know, sometimes she's out and she randomly runs into these people who are actually her age, but she's with the 25 year old. So she has to like duck and like not, not see them or she has mm -hmm. to like pretend she doesn't know them. And, um, you know, there's a lot of like really funny things that, that go on just in the vein of her trying to keep this secret. Um, and you know everybody in it is just is just excellent. And there's of course you know there's someone who is also a love interest for her who is her actual age, but he doesn't know she's that they're the same age. So like he thinks she's too young, and so it's really interesting. It's on like its fifth season now, but it's a hmm. fun like feel good. You know like if you just want to watch something that that idea of like I don't really want to think too hard about this. I just want to enjoy it and watch something for twenty minutes. Yeah. That is like that's my go-to for that. It's I, I it's usually on like towards the end of like the regular TV season, like the beginning of the summer. So it's a good break from like watching all of the you know heavy shows that we watch all year long, and then you just have this nice little like ah this like refreshing thing to watch um, at the end of all that. You know, it's funny because I I had no idea what that show was about, uh, and a it kind of sounds like a show that I would actually watch. Uh, B, I'm going to move another show kind of up the list a little bit because I feel like I can build off that. Um, one of the other episodes or one of the other shows that I had on this list was Cougar Town, which was the show that Bill Lawrence and Kevin Beagle did after Scrubs ended. And this show essentially it's, it's deceptively smart because the high concept of the show as it was conceived was really stupid. Basically, uh, Courtney Cox from Friends plays a woman who is a real estate agent in Florida who decides after her divorce that she needs to just like, have casual sex with dumb younger guys because, you know, men get away with that all the time, so why shouldn't she? And that high concept haunted the show for the rest of its run because it felt like such a one-note thing, and it didn't mm. feel like there was a lot of meat there on the bone. And ultimately, the show turned out to be really clever and really fun and really kind of savvy. But by the time it really 
found its footing about three quarters of the way through the first season, it realized that this was a, a terrible title and be a, an awful way of marketing itself because what it was really about was a bunch of friends who had very little in common other than the fact that they lived in the same neighborhood and yet they kind of, they, they loved each other and became a surrogate family. Uh, Jules is the main character. She has a very much like what you were saying. She has actually a neighbor across the street who is, is essentially the guy who provokes her into becoming a cougar because he has a never ending, he owns a bar and he has a never ending string of like 20 year old bar skanks who he takes <laughs> home. And she's like, well, why can't I get away with that? Um, the the cast is terrific. Uh, besides Cox, you have a bunch of people who you who are the kind of folks you would like recognize if you saw them someplace. But you know, uh, one of the actors from uh, oh god, see, I'm terrible with names, and so this is going to kill me. But one of the actors is from that sci-fi show, The Expanse. Uh, oh yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, you have uh. I want to say China, and that's not right. I'm going to bring up the Wikipedia page because I feel embarrassed by this. <laughs> um, uh, Bill Lawrence, who's the showrunner, his wife uh, was an actress on Scrubs. She was actually like uh, like a sex symbol in the 90s on the Drew Carey show. Uh, Krista Miller is her name. Uh, she's terrific in, in Cougar Town. Busy Phillips is in it. Uh, Josh Hopkins plays the neighbor across the street who eventually becomes uh, Courtney Cox's love interest. Brian Van Holt is the guy from The Expanse. And uh, Ian Gomez is in it. He's actually, if you watch Supergirl, he was Snapper Carr. Oh, and, yes. Okay. And it's Snapper Carr was such a waste of his talents. Like, this guy's great. He is so good. Uh, he's good in this. He's really good in Felicity, the J.J. Abrams show. Mm -hmm. And uh, I remember I went to the the set visit for Supergirl season before last, whenever it was that he was on the show, and I actually asked him about um, Ellie Torres, his wife on Cougar Town, who is like this um, cruel, emasculating taskmaster. And I, I basically was like, okay, so who wins, her or Cat Grant? Um, but. Uh, just just terrific cast of a bunch of people who you basically don't recognize unless you like you look at them and you're like, oh, that guy from that thing. And then, you know, Courtney Cox. They've but, all uh, been on Law and Order and ER. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> but uh, it's it it's weird because it was a show that like it got bogged down by its initial premise but the premise shifted so much in later seasons that you're like oh it became about this like group of friends and like there's all these jokes about wine and blah blah blah, blah. and the initial thing of like her being a cougar faded very quickly although i will say in the first season uh she when she was a cougar she did not i mean she slept around a little bit but pretty quickly she realized it wasn't for her she developed a relationship with this like hot 20 year old guy uh who again um if you watch the CW, uh, the actor's name is Nick Zano. Ah, <laughs> he currently appears on Legends of Tomorrow. 
he is like, I'm so happy for him being on legends because that show is good and it's, it's buoyed by the DC brand. And so the CW doesn't cancel it. Uh, Nick is one of those actors who just kept appearing in pilots that didn't go or shows that didn't make it past a season. Like the first time I met him, I was interviewing him for uh, minority report and it was during a set visit but the day we got there was the day the network did not pick up their back nine. And it, it was like, we're here and we just know it's that the show's dead. But it's not technically canceled, so everybody had to put on an air of confidence and happiness. And I got to say, like, it made me like Nick and the show star Wilmer Valderrama so much because those guys were champs. And it was like, that was a terrible situation. You're talking to 20 reporters the day that you basically found out your show's canceled. Oh, God. And they were so good. And it's one of those things where I'm like, you know what? Like, I will follow those actors now, like, forever. Yeah, Nick is great. And Nick is one of those actors who, like, you've seen him on so many things. And you're, like, wondering, like you just said, like, why is this guy not like on a show all the time. So it's so yeah. nice to see him on Legends. Like I I also, um, you know, the CW has this thing about like keeping actors employed mm -hmm. and they are like weirdly selective about it. Um, yeah. But like he was on Melrose Place and then he was on 90210. So like, I'm glad they still kept him like in the back pocket to be like, yeah. oh, you know what? Let's put you on, on Legends. I feel like he might've been on the first season of Legends if not for the fact that he was doing Cougar Town. Uh, or not, not Cougar Town, sorry, uh, Minority Report. Mm. Because when I went to the Minority Report set, it was the same Vancouver trip where we couldn't take any photos or video on board the Wave Rider because nobody had seen it yet. Um, so I, I, I kind of feel like, you know, he was doing, he was doing Minority Report when Legends was a pilot. And then once Minority Report got canceled, he almost immediately got added to the cast. And uh, you'll have to excuse my my slurring of speech. I am on a diet, so I've had like 1,200 calories today, but I had a gin and tonic before we started. <laughs> <laughs> so. Perfect. Um, but yeah, Cougar Town is one of those shows that it's like you have to watch it. And in fact, I would recommend most people just start with season two because season one is when it's finding its way. And the it's funny because Nick Zano ceased to exist on Cougar Town as a result of the show finding its identity and deciding the whole Cougar thing wasn't really important. Uh, which is, you know, pretty much what happened to some other actors on Legends of Tomorrow because that was a show that had a rough first season and then uh, excelled season two and after. Uh, so it's kind of ironic that he's the guy who comes in to fix those problems on Legends, whereas he was the guy who was written out for those problems yeah. on, <laughs> on a previous show. Um, and yes, for a while, every time I talked to Nick for Legends, I would make a Cuckoo Town joke. Um, I ran out of Cougar Town jokes because he was only in like nine episodes. And oh. now that he's been on Legends <laughs> for three seasons, I'm like, this isn't funny anymore. Yeah. <laughs> 
Um, I'm sure he remembers you though. He's like, oh, this guy, this guy, Cougar Town jokes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, and part of it is that I became friendly with uh, Kevin Beagle, who was the showrunner on Cougar Town. He's now developing New Mutants, which is a Marvel, uh, or not New Mutants, New Warriors, uh, which is a Marvel show with like Squirrel Girl and a bunch of other random oh, kind yes. of mm-hmm. B and C list characters. Um, I think it was originally for Freeform. Now they're shopping for a network, but. Uh, uh, Kevin and Mike Royce worked together, I think. Um, or maybe that wasn't him. Kevin and Mike worked... Oh, yeah. Kevin and Mike worked together on Enlisted, which was a show... The only show that had more Brandon Routh shirtless scenes than Arrow. <laughs> um, and I'm kind of friendly with both Kevin and Mike. And so it's funny because I tend to recommend the hell out of their shows. Actually, if it wasn't so kind of short-lived and niche, uh, Men of a Certain Age, which was the show they did together, would probably end up on this list. But uh, my next show, which is another half-hour sitcom, is Community. It's funny because I started skewing heavily towards half-hour sitcoms on this list just because of the nature of all the restrictions that that we had. Um. Community is smart in a whole different way. Uh, the The guys who created this are actually the guys who created Rick and Morty. So you can kind of see the pop culture acumen and the sense of the surreal in there. Um, the show explores the often dysfunctional relationships between a handful of students at a community college who are of various kind of age, gender, and demographic breakdowns. Uh, features a diverse cast and explores what happens when uh, very dissimilar people are forced into forced to essentially live together and work together. It also kind of pushes at the edge of the sitcom format in a way that makes a ton of sense when you realize that these are the Rick and Morty guys. If you watch the pilot and don't fall in love with it, I would say skip to episode, I think it's 23 of the first season. Uh, the second to last episode It's called Modern Warfare. It's better known as the paintball episode. And if you don't like that, I, I, I don't know what I could do for you. um again like i know i know it's funny because as much as i'm recommending this for somebody else you haven't seen the stuff that's on this list from me um community is one of those shows in fact i I have the the full blu-ray collection right here that just came out from shout factory i think or no mill creek entertainment and it's been released on blu-ray for the first time and i'm very excited to kind of dig into it because it's been a while since i watched it uh, one kind of fun thing to point out is that because writers from Community and writers from Cougar Town both came from Scrubs, they're friends. So there was a weird unofficial crossover, in spite of the fact they were on different uh, networks, between Cougar Town and Community. There was like a running joke on Community that one of the characters, this guy called Abed, was obsessed with Cougar Town. <laughs> and at one point, because he ran a fan site for Cougar Town, he got invited to the set. And so there was a like a bit of dialogue in Community where they talked about him being on the set of Cougar Town and how he got so excited that he pooped himself. <laughs> and a few months later on Cougar Town, there was a scene where like Jules and her son were talking at a coffee shop and in the background there's, there's Abed. He's just hanging out 
And then all of a sudden he gets up and like runs off. And everybody's kind of like, what just happened there? Okay, never mind. Back to work. Uh, so it's the weirdest crossover ever. Um, but it fits perfectly in with kind of the DNA of community. And to a lesser extent, the DNA of Cougar Town. Uh, there's another show on this list that was actually very overtly referenced by Cougar Town. So it's not like community is alone in its weird pop culture obsession. But uh, the... God, is it the pilot? Either the pilot or one of the first episodes of Community is basically a riff on The Breakfast Club. And I remember talking to uh, James Rode, who plays Sean on Psych, about this because they had a Breakfast Club episode as well. And it's funny because, of course, um, The Breakfast Club is a touchstone. You know, they just had a reference to it on Riverdale. Uh, a lot of the actors from Breakfast Club actually appeared on Psych. There's a guy, uh, when I was in Vancouver, not this past time, but two times ago, I did a set visit for Sabrina and then for The Magicians and uh, Deadly Class. And one of the actors from Deadly Class, this guy called Liam, who I, or Liam, who I got along with really well. And... Liam, when I talked to him at New York Comic Con, I, I asked everybody about their eight, their favorite 80s movies because Deadly Glass set in the 80s. And Liam was like, oh yeah, Breakfast Club. Now, Liam appeared on, and I'm going to segue flawlessly because I'm a genius. <laughs> uh, the, the next thing on this list is a show called Psych. Liam appeared on Psych for like five of the eight years. And... Uh, <clears throat> On Psych, they had this thing where almost every member of the Breakfast Club actually appeared on Psych over the course of the show. Um, out of the main characters, so you had Molly Ringwald, Judd Nelson, Emilio Estevez, Ali Sheedy. Um, there's at least one more. I was more. just about to ask you if Demi Moore was on that show, and then my brain went, nope, that's St. Elmo's Fire. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, Anthony Michael Hall was the fifth one. I think it's just five, right? But in any event, yeah, all those guys, that. except for Emilio, were on psych. And Emilio basically doesn't do a lot of on-camera work anymore. Um, weirdly, a, a, a fandom of Emilio Estevez is a running joke on Community. Or on, not Community, on Cougar Town. So all these shows seem like they're kind of weirdly connected. Weirdly connected. Hmm. But in Six any event, degrees. when I was talking to, uh, to Liam about psych one of the things i pointed out to him is like hey your favorite 80s movie is the breakfast club and like all those actors were on psych at one point or another and he was saying that yeah like his favorite episode of tv that he had ever done prior to deadly class which obviously he couldn't talk about much um was an episode where he got to hang out with ali sheedy for a chunk of time but uh uh, Psych is this great show. It's a, it's like a light procedural comedy. It centers on a slacker who makes his money solving mysteries for the, the reward money. And at one point, his lucky streak becomes suspicious to the cops, and they explain that his uncanny observation, er, and they basically arrest him, thinking that he's involved with one of the crimes. And they, in order to explain his semi-inhuman observational skills, he has to pretend to be psychic. And then... Having done that successfully, he starts up as a psychic detective agency with his best friend from school. 
and they work with the police. And so Psych is one of those, it's one of the best series ever to air on the USA Network, and along with Monk and Burn Notice, both of which you should watch, uh, it kind of carved out an identity for the network in the crowded cable landscape of the early 2000s. Um, Burn Notice is especially one of my favorites in the sense that uh, it's, it's an ensemble piece more than it is a, like Monk is basically just that one guy, you know, in the same way that I prefer Cheers to Frasier, I prefer mm. Burn Notice to Monk. Uh, not that either one is bad, but Burn Notice is an ensemble piece. And so if you don't love the lead actor, it doesn't matter. There's like five more people you really want to watch. Um, and, and again, like, I, I want to send you like a care package for Christmas now because like realizing that you haven't watched most of these shows, I'm just like, ah, <laughs> do not add to my plate. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, next thing on my list is cheers, which again, I just kind of referenced a minute ago, but uh, cheers is one of the great sitcoms of all time. For my money, it's the best sitcom of all time. Uh, it began in 1983 and it ran for 11 seasons. And then there was a spinoff called Frasier that ran for 11 seasons. So like this group of weirdos from a Boston bar basically shaped the primetime TV legacy or t TV landscape until the mid two thousands. Um, Ted Danson, who also appears in the good place is great here. He's a re uh, retired relief pitcher who owns a bar. Uh, when he was a baseball player, his career was basically ended by alcoholism, and he holds on to the bar as kind of a, a totem almost. Uh, and uh, there's there's kind of a group of great character actors around him. If you ever saw the Fletch movie, uh, the guy who plays Fat Sam, uh, George Went uh, mm -hmm. plays Norm Peterson. Uh, John Ratzenberger, who is the voice of basically every third character in the Pixar movies, plays uh, Cliff Clavin, who's a mailman who hangs out with Norm at the end of the bar. And basically they're the, the, the guys who hang out and are the, almost the Greek chorus uh, who kind of make fun of everything. Uh, but yeah, everybody else is so good that you almost, it almost doesn't matter that Shelley Long's whole like fish out of water thing is the snooty academic type doesn't necessarily always work. Uh, but growing up in the 80s, Cheers was a show that I, I fell in love with at a very young age. And in spite of being over 30 years old, it it ages really well. Like a lot of these shows that are 5, 10 years old, you'll kind of look at them and go, oh, there's stuff in there that just does not age well at all. Uh, Cheers, for the most part, still works. And I think part of it is the, the thing. When you look at a show like Riverdale or uh, Gotham, these are shows that are quote unquote timeless by design in the sense that they use kind of generic technology. that's not very rooted in the moment. Right. And uh, I feel like that's a thing that cheers did really well, almost unintentionally because it was the eighties and technology was not as much as much a part of our life. Right. I feel and, like uh, cheers too is one of those shows that like, depending on what, time in your life you mm -hmm. visit that show you find something different to connect to yeah yeah i mean one of the things too is uh i loved it as a kid i kind of forgot about it for a while and i was reading some piece that was like the greatest tv finales of all time and i, I won't get into the specifics of the finale because i don't want to you know spoil it at the same time i'm recommending it even though it's 20 years old 
but there's this kind of thematic thing that happens in the finale to Cheers. And it's so good. And you're kind of like, it retroactively colors the whole show. Like you can, you can watch the whole series through. And then when you get to the end, you're like, oh shit. Like that last scene, it changes so much about Sam as a person while still remaining totally intellectually consistent that you could watch it again almost immediately and pick up on different things, uh, which I think is kind of the, the mark of a great show, even if it's a dopey half hour sitcom. Right. And I will say too, cheers was a show. Uh, the places where it does tend to be a little dated are where they try to tackle issues because as you imagine, uh, looking at something like gay rights in 1983, is very different than looking at it now. But, uh, God, I think it's the third episode of the show. There's this episode called The Boys in the Bar. And even though some of the, like, no-homo humor that's in it is a little iffy by today's standards, I think it's it, it remains one of my favorite episodes of television. Uh, there's this great, great line, and this I will spoil because it's three episodes into the first season. Uh, basically, the conceit of it is one of Sam's old teammates from the Red Sox has written an autobiography and wants to do a release party at the uh, at the bar. And uh, they they have him do that. And, uh, sorry, I got distracted by work stuff. Um, so his, his friend has a, a release party for his autobiography at the bar. Sam doesn't read it because he's Sam and he doesn't read. But uh, the in the autobiography, he comes out, says that he's gay, and that his sexual escapades as a baseball player were largely overcompensating. And so they have this, the release party. Sam gets kind of blindsided by this. And the, the people at the bar become convinced that Cheers is now going to become a gay bar. Because he has gone kind of public in his support for his teammate who is gay. And there's like a weird comedy of errors that ensues that is in a lot of ways kind of very 80s. But there's this great scene towards the end where essentially the regulars are threatening to revolt. And they say something along the lines of, what kind of bar do you want this to be? And Sam's response is, I don't want it to be the kind of bar that I turn people away from. And it's one of those episodes of TV where in hindsight, it doesn't seem particularly special. Uh, from our perspective. But when you think to like 1983, the idea that Sam is basically saying like, I'd rather lose my regulars if you were a bunch of assholes than turn people away at the door because they're different. Uh, that was a crazy thing for a primetime sitcom to do. And it's just one of those things that uh, really helps elevate the show beyond just being like you know, show number 30 about 
a bunch of people who hang out in the same place and do stuff. Sorry, that's my rant. <laughs> Cheers is tough. Yeah, because uh, I've watched episodes of it. I've never really like watched watch Cheers. Like mm -hmm. I've seen obviously episodes of it. I never liked Frasier. Um, but I've seen like episodes of Cheers. I always enjoy what, whatever episodes I watch. I just never sat and like really watched it from beginning to end. Yeah. It's 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 interesting because of course For me, Frasier's fine. It's it's not for me. Like, but it's funny because he's a character who was introduced early on in Cheers and who existed for, you know, I think that Kelsey Graham played that character for 25 years. Oh, Jesus. Right. Probably not 25, maybe 20. Anyway, because there was 11 seasons of Frasier. 11 seasons of Cheers. I think he came in at the season three premiere. But anyway, uh, I don't actively dislike Frasier or anything, but it's funny because in hindsight, Frasier happened in the kind of modern era. And so for a lot of people, Frasier is their entry point to Cheers, which is kind of backwards. Mm. Uh, it's also interesting because in terms of shared universes, the Cheers characters showed up not just on Frasier, but also there were a handful of other shows uh, that were produced by the same studio where you would have random cameos by people. Like Norman Cliff from Cheers showed up on Wings. Uh, <laughs> for no real reason. Just kind just of like... because. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, but that was the thing that uh, that I always enjoyed was like, as a comic book fan, you want a shared universe. And even if it was in a very minor kind of insignificant way, it was like this idea that the, the characters from Cheers could just show up someplace it was fun. Yeah, that that's a construct that like, obviously we abuse sort of now, I think. Yeah. So it's not it's not as fun as it once was. Like now it's like a thing. Yeah. I, I feel like that's <laughs> part of it too, is that like now you watch, say, the CW superhero shows, and as much as I enjoy them, so many of the time so much of the time the problem becomes like, well, why can't the Flash just fix this? Right. And to me it was so much better back when there wasn't the expectation that you were connected. It would just be kind of like, oh, wait. That guy showed up. Neat. Uh, which doesn't exist anymore in shared universes. And it, I mean, frankly, for, for good reason. We've become a, a society where the ownership of IP is different than it was 20 years ago. Uh, you know, when Cheers was on the air, you could imagine just a, a whimsical crossover with some other random show on the same network, because why not? Whereas now, if you do like a crossover between, you know, Supernatural and Arrow, uh, the actors all want to do that great. But it means suddenly that these things exist in the same universe, and that's a headache. And it's, right. you know. But, uh, all right, so the next show uh, on my kind of list O stuff is The Magicians. And uh, this is an interesting show. I, I enjoy it, but... Um, 
I feel like given the restrictions we have, why not Earp might be a little too like nerdy slash sci-fi for somebody who specifically rules out superheroes and CW shows. Um, Though it's amazing and you really should watch it. Yeah, it really is. And, <laughs> and like, if you're watching shows on sci-fi, you should like the, one of the first ones you should watch is Why Not Earp. Um, if you're, if you're anti-superhero, I get you skipping Krypton, which is fucking great. But when on a herb, I mean, again, like it's it's not technically superheroes, but it is a comic book show that is superhero ish. So I kind of left it off the list. Uh, but uh, the Magicians is a show that trades on a lot of the same things that makes Winona appealing. It's a group of diverse, beautiful people doing magic and having adventures. Uh, but it does it kind of without being bogged down in the nuts and bolts of mythology. Um, it centers on kind of this eccentric group of larger-than-life personalities at a very special school, uh, which is a thing you're seeing a lot right now with like shows like uh, Legacies and Sabrina and uh, Deadly Class. And I'll kind of leave it at that for now because it's weird. Uh, I recently had to, I did a set visit for the show, and so I had to kind of binge it from the beginning because I'd never watched it. And the premise of the show is a big spoiler for the pilot, but the pilot is shot like a movie and it's really enjoyable to kind of discover it on your own terms. This is a show that has, is on and has been on my like list of things to watch. Yeah. Yeah. It's been on my list of things to watch for a while. Um, and then I, I kind of binged it right before I did the set visit and I really enjoyed it. Um, also there's a, Brittany Curran, who's on that show, is one of those people. She was who, on Chicago Fire. She was, and we uh, share her last name, so therefore she's awesome. Yeah, that's true too. <laughs> uh, she was on um, again, going to Mike Royce from uh, from Enlisted fame. Uh, she was on Mike's show, Men of a Certain Age, with Ray Romano and uh, Andre Brower, however you say his name, and Scott Bakula. She played Ray Romano's daughter. And I just remember watching that show and being like, she is way too hot to be Ray Romano's daughter. <laughs> um, but she's, she's great in it. And she's like one of those actors who uh, I met her. We got along. I started following her on social media and I'm just like, she's just one of those people who you want to be friends with. Like, yeah. Oh, she's awesome. When I, I think the first time I ever like tweeted at her when she was on Chicago fire, mm -hmm. she answered me and was like, Oh my God, we have the same last name. And then she <laughs> followed me because we have nice. the same last name. And I was like, you're awesome. <laughs> nice. Mm. All right. So the next thing on my list is spaced. Uh, this one, I think only streams on Hulu in the U S at this point. I don't know what the situation would be other places, but, uh, it's a little tougher to find than most of the other ones on this list, but it's worth it. It's a BBC, BBC show. Spaced is uh, it's Simon Pegg and Nick Frost back before uh, Shaun of the Dead was a thing, and it's actually also show run by Edgar Wright, who's the director of Shaun of the Dead. Uh, it's this fun, smart, kind of funny, heartwarming, nerdy show that wears its love for TV and pop culture on its sleeve. If you like Wright's movies, like Shaun of the Dead and Hot Fuzz, uh, you're going to like this. Tonally, the comedy has a kind of grounded absurdism that reminds me of things like the IT crowd, community, and some of the kids in the hall stuff. Uh, this is one of those wacky shows, too, where 
you watch it and you're just like, there's all these people in it who you'll recognize because this is, you know, 15 years ago when they were all getting their start on BBC. Uh, Peter Serafinowicz is in it, who, uh, he was the voice of Darth Maul in the first, in the, in episode one. And he was, uh, the roommate who turned into a zombie at the beginning of Shaun of the Dead. And then he was in Guardians of the Galaxy as well. But, uh, he's this great, like, he's, he's this awful, awful human being, but a great character on Spaced. And it's so funny because having Serafinowicz in it, at the same time as there's like a lengthy rant in one of the episodes, about how much episode one sucks is just one of those things that I'm like, man, that must've been awkward. <laughs> uh, next thing on my list, my name is Earl. Uh, this isn't, this is like an NBC sitcom from about 10 years ago. It's one of the most sitcom things of that. I actually enjoy. It's more sitcom than the other sitcoms that I have listed here. It's less high concept, uh, but it, it deserves a space because it's, it's so good-natured. It's so lighthearted. The show centers on this guy, Earl, Jason Lee, uh, from like Mall Rats and Chasing Amy. Uh, he's a small-time crook who finds himself laid up in the hospital just like hours after he wins thousands of dollars in a lottery ticket. Uh, basically, he's celebrating his win and gets hit by a car and immediately loses the ticket. And then while he's in the hospital, he learns uh, via Carson Daly... Uh, about the concept of karma and decides to stop his life of crime uh, and become a better person so that bad things stop happening to him. And so it's like, it's one of those things that like the good place it's, it's a smart show with a good message, but the characters are so dumb that it doesn't feel preachy because you're, you're, you're teaching them at a very one-on-one kind of level. Uh, and then like cheers are spaced. You have like, great performances by the lead actors bolstered by a stellar supporting cast of kind of weirdos that make the world uh, feel much more real. Um, I think it ran for four seasons on NBC and then was canceled, but uh, the same producers would go on to produce raising hope, which if you pay attention, raising hope actually takes place in the same universe. There's like this weird framing device on my name is Earl where He's trying to be a better person by righting the wrongs that he's done in his life. So he makes a list of all the things he's ever done wrong. And he's going around essentially trying to make it right with the people he screwed. And in the pilot for Raising Hope, there's like a news story in the background about like this guy who had a list of things that he did that he was, he finally got to the last blah, 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 blah. Basically it was Earl got canceled early, but we're going to give him a happy ending in the background on a news report in the next show. <laughs> oh, okay. And it was just such a kind of weird, wacky, fun thing. But uh, my name is Earl is is a ton of fun. Uh, there was a great thing uh, when I went to the set of Sabrina and Deadly Class. Um, I can't remember how the producer of My Name Is Earl came up, but he came up, and uh, I was like, "Oh yeah, he did My Name Is Earl." And one of the other reporters who was there was like, "That's the worst name for a show ever." Like I hate that show, having never seen it, just because my name is my name is Earl is a stupid name. And so, uh, and then for the rest of the weekend, she kept bringing it up. And so, as a gag gift, when I went and went back to Vancouver a couple of weeks ago for the CW tour, uh, I I brought this reporter a copy of My Name Is Earl season one. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Which is like it, I think it streams on Netflix, but it's definitely like ten bucks on Amazon for the DVD. Um, next thing on my list is the West Wing. 
uh, speaking to the kind of hour-long hour drama element that brings shows like Shameless and Outlander. The West Wing is kind of an optimistic look at U.S. politics circa the 90s and early 2000s when we really needed something to be optimistic about. Uh, that still rings true today since we really need something to be optimistic about. Um, and uh, it's optimistic. It's kind of optimistic tone feels urgent and necessary right now with everything being kind of horrible. Uh, even if some of the issues that are specific to the time period don't, don't work as well anymore. Uh, Aaron Sorkin, who got the Academy Award for uh, Social Network, was the showrunner on this. Uh, of his shows, I actually prefer Sports Night, which is his like half-hour dramedy. But it's less well-known, it's harder to stream, and it's much shorter. So in terms of looking for a new show to get into, The West Wing is a great show. It's not Sorkin's best, but it's certainly the one that you can get swallowed up by the most. And Dulé Hill is in it. Uh, Dulé Hill plays the president's body man, uh, which is basically his, his number one assistant who carries his stuff and blah, 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 blah. And Dulé would go on to be uh, Gus, the second lead on Psych. All roads lead to Psych. <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> kind of like if, if I were Mike Bailey... Uh, Everything goes back to Superman. Uh, but for me, I'm the host of Delicious Flavor, so everything can go back to Psych. <laughs> uh, it's appropriate. You're allowed. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Black Books is another show in the vein of Space or the IT Crowd. Uh, it's a British sitcom about a mean-spirited alcoholic, uh, which is a great thing to slur. Uh, <laughs> Who owns a used bookshop and ends up hiring a dim-witted but kind wanderer? Uh, the series takes the same kind of quasi-surreal approach to the workplace that things like the IT crowd and crowd community do so well. Uh, this is one of those shows that it only ran for two or three seasons because it's BBC, but really fun, really dumb. <laughs> um, you get kind of the, the thing of running the gamut of, yes, I'm too smart to be a traditional sitcom, but we're still going to do every traditional sitcom setup from like bottle episodes to the one where everything catches fire to the one where the assistant, he doesn't really want leaves and he has to go beg him to come back. And, uh, but it's, it's a, it's a great show. Uh, and the cast is really good in it. The guy who is the main actor, he's David something. He was in Shaun of the dead too. Uh, and I'm going to look him up now because I can't recall his name. Uh, oh, no, not David. Dylan Moran is the guy's name. He's a stand-up comic. Uh, the other guy's called Bill Bailey. And Bailey is one of those actors who, if you saw him, you'd know him. He's, again, he's a stand-up comedian. But he was in uh, all the Edgar Wright stuff, Spaced and Hot Fuzz. And, uh, and, and so it's a, it's a bunch of people who, like, aren't stars because we're in the U.S. But... Uh, probably are people you would know by name in the UK. Uh, let me see. And actually, that's the end of my thing. I, I kind of limited myself to 10. Um, originally, my list had iZombie on it. I realized belatedly that that show, while delightful, is a CW show. And so I replaced it with Cougar Town. Um, <laughs> But uh, 
I, I know that you were, uh, I, I'm calling you kind of last minute to, to come and participate in this insanity. Uh, do you have anything you want to kind of tack on to the end of this list? I do actually. It's funny. Before we started recording, my brain has been like overworked. So when we first started recording, I'm like, I don't have anything to talk about. And then as we've been sitting here, I've actually thought of like a whole bunch of things that I should talk about. Nice. Um, but in the vein of uh, you mentioning that Cheers is like greatest sitcom of all time, uh, that that's actually um, I love Lucy, but it's okay. We'll we'll let you uh, we'll let you go with that's that fair. one. Um, but in the the as long as you don't that, say Seinfeld, we're good. Oh God, no! <laughs> I hate Seinfeld. Um, a show that I'm pretty sure everyone has watched at some point. If you haven't seen every episode, you've at least seen a handful. Um, it's the Golden Girls. And if you haven't watched it in a long time, you should rewatch it. I just recently started watching it from the beginning. It's like the thing I do before I go to bed is like watch an episode of the Golden Girls. And you would never think that that show it would be timeless, but it really kind of is, which is bizarre. When I'm watching it, I'm always like, this is still funny to me. Um, the same way, like you were saying with Cheers, like how once in a while they kind of touch on like, you know, like an issue of the time. It, and it, it doesn't always feel 100% like, okay, you know, like it's 2018 now and this show is from the 80s. So it's, it's not, you, you know, it's not always exactly the way it probably should sound now. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it's still not, like there, there's often times when I find myself being like, huh, they talked about this in 1987? Okay. Yeah, yeah. You know, and you're like, I, I, I feel like I, uh, when I watch older stuff, they, they were like way less PC. There's like a time period when like all of a sudden, I don't know, like the, what is that association of people always yelling, the parent people always yelling at the TV, like just went full force and made them stop doing stuff. Cause I'm like, man, you know, you think about a show like Maud. Like Maud oh, yeah. had, a, had an abortion. Like, and I'm like, was Maud a a Norman Lear show or no? Uh, was Maud a Norman Lear show? That was a good question. He's the yes, it was. Yes. Um, and, and again, like he's right one of those guys yet. who, like, I'm just slightly too old to have been totally, totally in love with his actual content but at the same time uh he he was the guy who did all in the family and the jeffersons yeah. Maud, good time sanford and son he's a fucking visionary and uh he's got another god what does he have on t on netflix right now he actually he rebooted one of his 70s sitcoms on netflix and apparently oh, um one day at a time one is that day what at it is time yeah uh, I haven't watched the new one, but apparently it's fantastic. Yeah, um, I haven't gotten a chance to sit and watch it. I mean to, though, uh, but it's amazing. He's also 96 years old and still making TV shows, so yeah, yeah. good for him. <laughs> I hope I'm still alive at 96. So, yeah, exactly. Let alone working. Um, but yeah, I mean, I find like, you know, you look at those those kind of things, and I mean, the Golden Girl, it's still hilarious, you know? Um, and so if you haven't really watched it in a long time, sit down and check it out. Rewatch it, re-enjoy it. Uh, another one um, that I thought of when we were when you were talking is is Boy Meets World. Boy Meets World is probably like my favorite TV show ever, um, and I <laughs> I know that sounds kind of ridiculous. But I, I mean, I know I've seen a couple episodes when I was at the video store. Yeah, that, that's pretty much what I can say about it. <laughs> uh, 
<laughs> my meets the world is you know it was part of tgi fridays um yeah one of those shows that was on with you know like all of those great you know family matters and step by step and I think uh, Full House was on during then too. I was never a big Full House fan. It's, it's um, funny. I've never seen any of those shows. Uh, I'm age appropriate for them, but growing up, I was really into Nick at Night. So instead of watching too. like the TGIF lineup, I would watch like Get Smart and Dragnet and uh, you know stuff like that. Oh, that's so funny. That was me. So like, I as a kid, that's all I watched was Nick at Night. I wa like one of my favorite shows ever is Green Acres, Mr. Ed, like all of that stuff. I watched all of those shows. And then on Fridays, I would watch this. A lot of the times it was because I was at I was at work. I was at the video store. So, you know, every you as you know, whenever on a Friday or Saturday, whenever you put a video into the TV, you know, 10 minutes later, someone wants it. So you'd have to take it out and give it to them. So we yeah. gave up trying to watch a movie and we would just <laughs> watch we would just watch TV. We're like, well, we'll just put TV on because Whatever movie we start watching, someone's going to want in five minutes, even if it's the oldest movie and they haven't seen it in like 15 years. I'm like, I really feel like watching this because you have it on in the TV. Exactly. Um, but anyway, I'm going on a tangent. I'm sorry. Boy no, world. <laughs> but it, what I love, what, what is great about that show is, yes, it's a kid's show, but it was not written. You know, you watch a kid's show now like a show on D the Disney Channel, and a lot of them are written specifically for children. Boy Meets World was a show that was written for kids, but with the idea that like your parents were probably watching it with you. So it was intelligently written for the whole family to watch, uh, which was what TJI Friday was, you know, like it was all family dramas. Like, yeah, it had like kid elements, but it was stuff that was friendly that like the adults would enjoy, but your kids could still watch it with you. Yeah. Uh, and that was the construct of that. Um, but what was great about Boy Meets World is it, while it was funny and a lot of the times it was just pure comedy, there was always sort of like an underlying message, but it didn't, it wasn't like after school special. It was like beating you over the head with it. Like today we're going to talk about peer pressure. It wasn't like that. It was just like within the context of the story. Yeah. Um, you know, and you had of course the Mr. Feeney character who is the neighbor and he's also their teacher and he's, you know, he follows them throughout the series. So he ends up being their principal. And then he of course even goes to college with them, but you know, he's the one who's always dispensing worldly advice and he's the Fights mentor. Off and, and yeah. <laughs> Listen, Mr. Feeney, he could do it all. Um, but it, you know, it, it, it had a lot of really great elements of like friendship and what it means to have a friend who could also be like family to you mm -hmm. and you know like first loves and how to deal with relationships and deaths then there's a lot of stuff that really goes goes on sexuality domestic abuse i mean they touch on a lot of stuff and like i said they don't do it in a preachy way um it's still funny it's still enjoyable and i mean i've rewatched it from the beginning so many times and it's really a great show if you've never seen it like just watch it. It's and it, and it's another show that that holds up pretty well. Like you said, like with the technology and stuff. Obviously, that's not there, but it's also again, it's a show from the '90s, so there you're not really dealing with that either. Uh, I'm not sure at some point maybe there's cell phones towards the end, but um, yeah, it's not. That's not really ever. An, you know, obviously, there's no like internet and yeah, yeah. I think that's a big thing is that shows that happen kind of in the middle. Like in 
you can think of a lot, a lot of shows from the late nineties, early two thousands, where there were episodes about how like, Oh, they have the internet on computers now. Um, and, uh, and that really dates it. Yeah. And the fact that they feel the need to address that kind of hurts it in terms of longevity. Uh, but when you look at something like, you know, boy meets world of cheers, it's like the fact that it's just not a part of the show it doesn't really hurt anything. Like even when you look at something like Riverdale now, it's very much current, but they just don't use like laptops and cell phones a whole lot. They use them when it would be obvious right. for the plot that they didn't. And I think that's why these shows kind of exist in an aesthetic that is quote unquote timeless. Right. Well, that's how Gotham is. It's weird because when you yeah, watch Gotham, yeah. you're like not really sure what time period it's supposed to be because like, <clears throat> you know, Gordon has like a flip phone, but then he's driving a car that looks like it might be from like the 70s and like the way they dress and just the aesthetic is sort of a little bit older looking. So you're like, hmm, all right. But that's, you know, like you said, is by design so that it feels sort of not that it exists somewhere within time, not necessarily now. Yeah, one of the things I really enjoyed recently was that when they did the flashback episode on Riverdale that was 20 or years 20 20 or 25 years ago nothing changed in the newspaper office because uh. the school newspaper is still operating on like 2GS computers from the <laughs> 90s. And so like having been on that set when they had the Breakfast Club themed episode that took place in the early 90s, I'm just like, oh, it's funny because like nothing changed. Nothing changed. This is all the same. It's a time. It's a time loop. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Here I go again. Um, uh, other ones that I thought of because uh, she mentioned the the friend mentioned uh, the haunting of Hill House, so I mm -hmm. wanted to get a little horror in there. Um, American Horror Story which is on FX is now going into, I think it's eighth season or ninth season. Um, but what's cool about American Horror Story is it's a, um, I, oh my God, the word just went right out of my head. It's a anthology series. Yeah. So every season is a different story. Um, a lot of the actors will overlap, but they're, they're not necessarily, they're not necessarily the same characters. Um, sometimes, in later seasons, there are characters that overlap. Like it's a character that was in another season, but it's not like you don't necessarily have to watch all of them to understand. Um, the most recent season does combine two other characters from two other seasons. So then there's like the same actor playing three characters within the season, which can be a little weird and confusing. But before that- They did that um, in Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back. Yes, yes, absolutely. Same idea. Uh, uh, it, it's funny because recently I interviewed David Naughton, who was the star of American Werewolf in London. And I was talking to him about a variety of things. He had an appearance on Psych during a werewolf episode. and uh, But we talked about his – he was on the second season of um, American Horror Story. And he was saying that he was there, and it's like mayhem, <laughs> that apparently uh, Ryan Murphy likes to shoot things – not just not in sequence, but not even the same episode. Like you'll have different crews working on like four episodes at a time. And so you never know what the hell's going on as an actor. And That's so the fact that that show seems to work so well is a minor miracle. Well, I will tell you that 
one of the things that happens sort of with Ryan Murphy, particularly in American Horror Story, is the concept that he is going for every season is always really cool. Mm -hmm. And it always starts out really interesting. Somewhere in the middle, it usually goes a little off the rails. Um, and he's able to bring it back in towards the end. But you saying that actually makes a lot of sense now to me as to why the season feels that way. Um, Cause yeah, because like there's no his, sense of continuity because people yeah. don't know what they're shooting. Right, and like his, his his brain seems to just work in like overdrive, so mm -hmm. it's like he's probably thinking of like ten ten steps ahead of whatever he's doing right now, and so it it somewhere in the middle always feels a little weird. Um, the best example of that is probably season, I think it's season two, which is the asylum season, um, where like there's a lot of random shit going on in that season, and then there's like the middle of it you're like what i don't understand what's happening like at all yeah but then the end is really good so and it like sort of ties all together um but basically you kind of have to you have to be there for the ride you have to be like all right i'm gonna see this through to the end because there will be a point in the <laughs> season where you're like i don't i don't get it like what's happening i don't understand um which actually makes it a really great show to binge because when you're watching it week to week, it can be a little frustrating, but if you're just binging it, then it's like, well, if I want answers, I'm just gonna keep going and go on to the next episode. Um, but it's cool, because there's just like a different horror element every season. The first season, which is, I still think the best, is the murder house, so it's basically just a haunted house. So if you liked Haunting of Hill House, mm -hmm. then you'll like that season. Uh, the second season is The Asylum. Uh, I think the third season, I'm gonna confuse them. There's a season about witches. Um, Coven that season is called. There's a season about um, a freak show, which is like a carnival. Yeah. Uh, that one was really cool. There's a cult one. I actually really enjoyed the cult one. The most recent one is like a, the end of the apocalypse, end of the world thing. Um, but they're all really neat. It's funny. I haven't given that show a shot, um, mostly because I can't stand Sarah Paulson. Oh, it hurts my heart. <laughs> Every time you say that, I love her so much. <laughs> It's just, you know, my, my impressions from her came from two things. Uh, Studio 60 on the Sunset Strip, which I actually really liked, but she was the worst part of it. Um, and, uh, oh, God, what was the movie? The Spirit. Have you ever seen The Spirit? No. It is a crime against humanity. No. <laughs> it is probably the worst comic book movie ever made. And I, I feel I, like you should watch American Horror Story and maybe you'll like her. No, that's that's distinctly <laughs> possible. Uh, I just, you know, part of it is too, I am so anal retentive that when I get a late start on things, I have a really hard time jumping on because I know that I'll have to spend money to get caught up. I mean, it's on Netflix, just saying. Yeah, all, I mean, that's, I'm, I'm still working my way through Supernatural because <laughs> that's a show that... Um, I started covering it season 10. And so I've got like 10 years to make up before I'm fully up to date. I have a friend who decided <laughs> to start watching Supernatural because I watch it and yeah. she watched all 14 or 13 seasons in like two months. That that person has a sickness. I was um, I was so improv. Like she would like tweet me and be like, oh, I'm at blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, oh my God, how did you? 
what? What do you mean? How, how are you that far already? Like, I was like, I don't understand how you watched all of that. It's funny. Um, she's like a super, she's a super binger. She's so, she's awesome at it. She has a job where like she works from home. Uh, okay. So she'll just like put stuff on and she's working and she's watching while she's yeah. working. So she's able to like just plow through this stuff and it's, it's crazy. I used to be able to do that. I can't anymore. I actually binged the West Wing while working 10 years ago, but like, I just can't these days um that said uh i i, I admire the commitment to the to the bit <laughs> um i think the first episode of supernatural i ever watched was baby oh one of the best episodes ever and so that was uh but That's that a was a high concept episode it was it was and and i actually the next day i went and like you know rode in the car and all that kind of stuff. Oh, that's cool. And didn't quite realize the like gravity of like, I had a friend who's been a, a fan of the show since the very beginning. And I took a video of her. They actually let her start the car. <gasps> awesome. And she was like in tears. That's amazing. <laughs> uh, but, uh, but yeah, it's one of those things. I, I, I totally get that there are certain, certain shows I need to watch, but getting caught up. I don't know. I still, I, I have a hard time binging. It's not in my DNA. You know, I'm a video yeah, store guy. I, 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 I want a disc of something to just sit down and watch. Um, I actually it's just bought the video store is actually how, what started me binging because I, um, you know, having, I didn't, Captain video was not a blockbuster. So we had actual like old movies. Yeah. Not, yeah. not just, you know, the, the most recent or most popular movies. So, we had such a variety of stuff to choose from and I would do these, you know, before binging was really a thing, I guess. Um, I would be like, oh, I'm gonna do a, you know, a watch of all the Friday the 13th movies. And yeah. like, I, I would like randomly take stuff home and be like, I'm gonna watch all these Sylvester Stallone movies or whatever, you know, whatever it was. Um, so I've always really even still done that like with movies and stuff. Um, yeah. So I guess that's why it's easy for me with TV. But if anybody wants like the guide to watch Supernatural, I can tell you, you should watch seasons one through five. You can kind of skip like six, seven and eight um, <laughs> and then just grab on at nine and go forward. Six and seven are, are probably the most, the worst of the two seasons. Um, I could give a long explanation as to why, but uh, I won't. But Meanwhile, uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, I am, I'm the other day I was at the store and I picked up, because they've remastered and restored the original 1981 Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy TV show. Oh. Which uh, aired on BBC. It's, I think, six hours long. Uh, it's a loose adaptation of the first two books in the Hitchhiker series. And I picked that up on Blu-ray the other day, and I'm very excited to kind of sit down with it again. Nice. Uh, literally fell on my lap earlier while we were talking because I was like picking up a community DVD to try and read something and it just jumped out at me. <laughs> but uh, to, uh, to discover these old things, I think that's one of the really neat things about the Netflix and Hulu and Amazon Prime and stuff. A lot of them have gotten licensed for some older shows um, and especially Hulu. Hulu seems to be trying to really do that. Um, and there's stuff on there that you're like, oh, yeah, I forgot about this show. Let me rewatch this. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff. I mean, Crackle, which is owned by Sony, um, 
has a lot of older stuff, although they have, it's very random. They'll have like nine episodes of a season just because it's like, oh, we basically bought the rights to those things that were released on VHS in the 90s. (laughs) Uh, I I discovered on Hulu, um, this is sort of in the vein of recommendations, a show from the 90s that was a remake, it was a reboot of a soap opera. So I don't know if you know, I'm sure you've heard of Dark Shadows. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which was a, was a soap opera, a black and white soap opera that was on for many, many years about a vampire, Barnabas Collins. And then in the 90s, they decided to reboot it as like a primetime drama. Um, and the show, only, it only lasted one season. I don't know why, because it was fabulous. And it ended on a cliffhanger. That was back when, you know, there was no fan petitions to get yeah. our final episode and stuff like that. So you just got left in the lurch forever not knowing what was going to happen. But um, I just discovered that they have it on Hulu and I'm like, Oh my God, I have to watch this. Nice. Cause it's like, I loved it. It was such a good show. I remember being devastated when they canceled it. I will say that uh, my name is Earl also ends on a cliffhanger. And it was this year when a bunch of shows were on the bubble and they all tried to pressure NBC to save them by ending on cliffhangers. <laughs> and two of the three, it worked. Uh, Community and Chuck got new seasons. And oh, by the way, if you've never seen Chuck, what are you doing with your life? Good, just go watch Chuck. It's fucking amazing. Oh, I've never seen Chuck. <laughs> it's great. Actually, uh, if, if, if I hadn't found somebody to come on board and do Delicious Flavor with me instead of Psych, I would have done, uh, done Chuck. Uh, hmm. It is it is a fantastic show. Zachary Levi is an enormously compelling actor. I'm super looking forward to Shazam because I want him to be as big as he deserves to be. Uh, the the woman who plays his love interest, Yvonne Sterhovsky, is one of the most beautiful women in Hollywood. Uh, and uh, it's 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 a crime that pretty much everybody on that show, except for Adam Baldwin, because fuck that guy, um, <laughs> haven't become huge stars. And really, the the Adam Baldwin thing is just because he's a racist dirtbag. He's like an alt-right crazy person. Is he? Yeah, yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. I'll yeah, don't don't look up his thing. Twitter account. Like, even knowing that he's a terrible human, you can kind of live with yourself. If you read his Twitter feed, it makes you sad. Just don't. I'm gonna not. I'm gonna. I'm gonna not do that. Yeah. Enough things make me sad on Twitter. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm, not gonna look, I'm not gonna look for one. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, he's like James Woods levels of like, oh, God. Yeah. Um, yeah. and it's actually, it's funny because it makes it's, they play cause he plays an, an NSA agent in Chuck. Like basically the conceit of it is Zachary Levi plays this guy who, uh, got kicked out of college and ended up working tech support at a Best Buy. They call it buy more on the show, but it's Best Buy. And, uh, his best friend from college is a super spy and sends him this file, which when he opens it, he gets basically subliminally implanted with this like database of government secrets and the files destroyed. So the only place that these government secrets are held is in Chuck's subconscious. And so he ends up working with a, uh, an NSA 
handler and a CIA handler to essentially save the world week after week by using the intel in his brain. Um, and, you know, meanwhile, he's falling in love with the CIA handler and blah, 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 blah. But it's, it's a great show. Uh, there's this great kind of cast of weirdos who, who are from his buy more. Um, there's a, there's these two guys, Lester and God, it's been a while. I can't remember, but, uh, Oh, Jeff and Lester, because their band is called Jeffster. (laughs) Um, and it's, it's fantastic. Uh, there's an episode where they play Tom Sawyer by Kansas. Um, and then there's a, like, it's just one of those, there's, there's a point where they need to like create a distraction. And so they ruin somebody's wedding by playing Mr. Roboto. Um, (laughs) (laughs) but like, it's, it's an incredibly fun show, uh, that by all rights should have been on this list. I'm not sure why it wasn't, (laughs) um, uh, cause it's, it's really great. Uh, but it's, it was an NBC show that ran for, I think five seasons. Uh, and it was the first of this kind of contemporary era of, it was living on the bubble from season one. And there was this great thing where uh, Subway was a major sponsor, like a major advertiser on the show. So I don't know who it was, but some fan group decided like, you know what we'll do to save the show? We'll go to Subway and on all the comment cards, we'll just inundate them with comment cards that say, I'm here because of Chuck. And it worked. Subway became like, they basically committed to sponsoring the show until it died. And then after Chuck was over, Chuck actually handed the Subway sponsorship off to community because it was, it was basically like, okay, well, what fans do you think are going to come shop with us to save their show next? <laughs> That's so funny. Uh, so it's, it's, it's this kind of weird, great thing. They keep talking about doing a movie. I don't think it'll ever happen, partly because with Shazam, Levi is now, you know, that level of star. Uh, but Lord only knows, because he's also an incredibly nice guy. I've met him a couple times, and he's just... I mean, George Clooney went back to ER. It's true. That's true. That thing where you thought it was a body double until he came into focus. Yes. <laughs> it was a joyous moment. Uh, and, you know, guys like that, <laughs> I, I I will always love actors like that. Um, there's a thing yeah. in Cheers, actually. Uh, Shelley Long, who played Diane on Cheers. Um, I mean, if you've never watched the show, you may or may not know. Like the famous thing is the will they or won't they have Sam and Diane. Uh, Diane leaves about halfway through the show and gets replaced by Kirstie Alley. And the reason she left is because apparently she was impossible to work with and the writers all hated her. And so they just wrote her off the show. But uh, in the finale, they brought her back. She came back for like a three episode arc. And it's just one of those things where I'm like, you know, as much as like as a as a hardcore Cheers fan, I know that Shelley Long is kind of impossible. You gotta love the fact that 
she had to have been embarrassed by the fact that everybody in Hollywood knew she got essentially booted off this popular show because she was impossible. And she still came back. Right. For the finale. You know? Um, anyway. All right. Any uh, any final thoughts? I don't think so. I mean, I could give TV recommendations, but they all just don't fit within the parameters yeah, of the question. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, and it's funny. I, like, I, I, there's a lot of things. Like, you know, I mentioned Scrubs probably 10 times while I was talking about Cougar Town because they're from a lot of the same people. Like Scrubs and Spin City are both by that same guy, and like those are things you should watch. Studio Sixty ties in with the West Wing and and Sports Night, and and I loved Studio Sixty, but it only ran for a year, and I have I don't think it streams free anywhere. Like one of the great things about TV is that that there's an endless supply of it, yeah. uh, because it's serialized. Um. But yeah, I mean, this is, like I said, it's one of those things, like I was looking at this list of restrictions and going, you know, this is fun. Because to me, uh, one of the things we've talked about a lot of times on the show is we used to work at a video store and we used to have these conversations with people where it was like, no, but I need X, Y, and Z. Yeah. And this is Very kind specific. of, yeah, taking all these weird kind of specifications into account is kind of the most video store thing that we've ever done on the show. <laughs> You know, it also um, it also forces you to sort of think outside the box because, uh, you know, what's popular right now is all of those things. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it's like, what besides these things do you recommend watching? So it's like, oh, you know what? Let me try to think outside of the superhero box, outside of the, you know, the CW world, and yeah, and, yeah. Uh, and try to find other stuff. So it's like stuff that you norm we talk about like I talk about on my other podcasts all the time. So mm -hmm. it's nice to sort of have a conversation about other things. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, on that note, where can people find you on the World Wide web? Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Mimi C 1019. That's M I M I C 1019. Um, and you can also find me talking about superheroes and other TV shows. I watch at, on the hashtag TV geek podcast. Um, you can follow that on Twitter at H A S H T A G TV geek. And uh, you can basically find me at ECV underscore podcast. You can find me at the Emerald City Video Podcast.net and ECVpodcast.com. Uh, we we actually we made a play for emeraldcityvideo.com recently, but one of those companies that just fills up your your domain with generic crap uh, bought it out from under us at the last minute for a ton of money that we weren't gonna match. So uh, but yeah, you can uh, subscribe to us on Podbean, Apple Music, and Spotify. And uh, that's really it for now. You can follow me personally at Russ Burlingame on Twitter, but uh, honestly, I tweet often enough from Emerald City Video that you'll probably be happier with that. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, so that's it for today. Uh, thanks for listening. We will be back with a, a regularly scheduled episode of Emerald City Video very soon. So be back here by noon on the fifth day, and please. Always remember to rewind your cassettes. A C E N.